0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social podcast Network.
1: Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon and well, what an honour this week I got to sit down with the game's most successful ever player, Stephen Hendry, seven times world champion. I met up with Stephen at the Champion of Champions in Coventry. He was working for ITV so we didn't have that long, certainly not long enough to go through all his achievements of in what was incredible snooker career but uh, hopefully you'll enjoy Stephen's reminiscences about his career the key moments and also some talk about the decline and the retirement and how that felt after a quarter of a century at the top of the game one thing I've always liked about Stephen he's very direct always very honest and will give proper answers one thing to say though he does a couple of times swear so if that's something that you need to know about you'd be mindful but then again he's Stephen Hendry he can do what he likes Stable. I think everyone knows the story of you getting a table at the age of 12 for Christmas, and that's how you got into snooker, but did you have any interest in it before? Did you sort of request the table?
0: No, it's, I'd seen it. Um, my mum and I had been walking in the high street in Dunfermline, um, where my dad had his fruit shop, and uh, in, the, in the store, um, John Menzies, I don't know if he's even there anymore, there was like almost a sort of half-toy shop sort of thing, and there was one in the window, and she sort of said... Um, you know, we'll look at that sort of thing no, mm. Not really anything to look Because that is still Christmas present supposed to be surprises but, And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah It looks, looks fun or whatever And But no, I'd never played i never watched or um, No, no, no history
1: mm. But then four years later You turned professional So yeah. it's quite a, quite a sort of uh, rapid development
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I got it I mean, within a couple of weeks I was making 50 breaks in it and stuff mm. But I just I didn't really think there was anything to it Maybe it was just an easy game or something, but and obviously you start beating your mates all the time, and you're and you're much better than they can't even hold the queue and you're doing this. You start to think, well, maybe I'm actually quite good at this, um, and then sort of like three, four, five months later, you go up and start playing your first full size table and stuff. And you, I mean, it's like the old clay; I just fell in love with it. I just you know, it was part of the reason is it's something you you think you're good at. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're young, you know, obviously very few. Teenagers have a skill to do sure. some sort of sport. Yeah. You know what I mean, so to, to find out you're, you're better than at least everyone you know mm. gives you a buzz straight away. Mm.
1: And snooker at this time was all over the TV, so you would have seen, you know, all the, all the famous names at the time. Did you think when you were that age, okay, this could be my
0: career? No, not at all. No? Not at all. Um, as I said, I started playing like junior tournaments and stuff, but. Um, and people were telling my dad when they, when they see me playing, like that. Oh, he's, he's you know he, he's got he's he's a, he's a future world and all this. But I never ever did. I never thought that we'd come to that. But you did turn
1: professional. So what was the thinking behind that?
0: Um, well, I, I played in the, I played in the World Amateur once when I was um, when I was fourteen, I think, in Dublin. Um, didn't qualify through the group stages, um, and then fifteen. Uh, I won the Scottish Amateur Senior title for the second year, so I could have gone to the World Amateur Championship again, uh, and obviously this time was a better. I thought I would have a good chance of winning it. But in those days, winning your national title gave you the, the, the path to become professional. It was, it was quite restricted then. Um, so between sort of me, my father, and, and Ian Doyle, who's to sort of start taking on my career, we thought, well, what more can you actually learn as an amateur? Mm. You know, this, this. I've always, I've always in the news i always played better in the big occasions so we just thought why not, why not just go for it got to, I mean, let's, let's see what happens mm. So this
1: is 1985 and of course mm. it's just a few months after the most famous match ever played and yeah. Snooker's the biggest yeah. it's ever been on TV I mean it must have been a bit like walking into a soap opera you know, you've know, you seen it on TV suddenly you're part of it or was that how it felt?
0: Um, it was it was quite surreal really my first venue um, was uh, was it Stoke Trent or something somewhere like um I remember my, my first match was against um, uh, oh, what's his name, Barry West. Okay. Uh, <laughs> first, that was my first professional match, and I, I just remember that the, the, the setup—you know, the, the tables, the you know, all the tables were all the, all the you know all the reds were the same color. Um, <laughs> everything was shiny, and and you know bow ties, waistcoats, and playing on these the same sort of and, and and just like loving it. You know, just loving the surround and, and the conditions and everything. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was it was kind of surreal. It, it, obviously, that, that I, I was like the, the first qualifier, so I wasn't seeing any of the sure. Davieses or the Whites mm-hmm. or the Higginses or anything like that. But it was still leagues above to what I was playing. at. Mm-hmm. You
1: mentioned Ian Doyle, uh, who was your manager for, mm-hmm. for your whole career. I mean, what what was the first of all how did you get sort of together with him and what was the importance of him certainly in the early years
0: he, he was this, his company sponsored the Scottish amateur title um, he, had a, he had an ironmongery business and they sponsored it um, he also owned a snooker club that I'd played a couple of amateur tournaments at um, he was obviously a snooker fan um, and I think he wanted to, to, to get into it more um, and obviously I had, had, had meetings with my father and that in terms of taking over my, my career um, it's really fair to say
1: it. that he was never a sycophant, was he? I mean, he was—if he, he, he had something to tell you, he would tell you.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and I think um, you know there was there was there have been issues at the time, obviously with my father and he because Ian wanted to take it over, lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. Um, my dad had been travelling me everywhere since, I was young, junior tournaments, amateur tournaments. But you can't, you know, live in your a room with your father for six it's just not healthy. It just it wouldn't—it wouldn't. In the end, it would have—it would have just come to something that wouldn't—it yeah. wouldn't have been good. So, and. Yeah, Ian said if you, if you want to be one of these players you've got to live like one of these players so basically from going and staying in shitty bed and breakfast I was suddenly staying in the same hotel as, as the Davises and the Whites of the world and mm. um, even if I wasn't anywhere near competing, at least I felt like I, I belonged. Sure.
1: And in terms of the way you played, it, it was a different game. I mean, even when you were sort of just first on the scene, you were very attacking. And at that time, the game there were attacking players like Jimmy White, Alex Higgins, but it was pretty cautious compared to
0: certainly how it is now. Mm. It? it was, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, Jimmy played at sort of flare shots, but um, really only at the end of frames. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, it was attacking Alex Higgins. It's weird, I don't, I, it wasn't, I don't really regard Alex Hings as, as an aggressive attacking player. It's weird. I mean, he obviously he was quick round the table, and, and he would play a shot, there'd be a simple way of playing a shot, and he would find a difficult way of playing the same shot, and that was his genius. Mm. He, I mean, sl- um, sl- Ronnie's very similar to him in, in their safety game, he never played a plain ball safety shot. Everything was with side coming round, and, and that was his genius. But I, I never regard him as, a, as a, an aggressive attacking player. Um, I just, like... I just wanted to get and pop, pop balls basically. That's what I wanted to do. And, um, and I just wanted to get and make big breaks, pop balls and, and just win win frames as easy and as quickly as possible. Yeah. And
1: it wasn't long until you're winning tournaments. I mean your first ranking event, eighty seven Grand Prix. And notably along the way you beat Steve Davis, who of course at the time was hmm. king of Snooker. Hmm. Was having beaten Steve did you then think
0: well there's no reason why I shouldn't win the tournament it was was definitely a landmark in my career Um, I hadn't beaten him in a a major event up to then Um, if, if any I can't even remember if any ever beaten him um, we watched, it was well documented You know, we watched videos Now on my own watch videos of our matches with Steve and, and I was under the pressure and every time I was getting beat by him That I was getting no chances That this guy is just destroying me And I'm not get, even getting a chance But when I watched the video it, it wasn't to find anything technical or a strategy I just, it clicked that I am getting chances I'm just not taking them And then, you know, that's sort of like something clicked um, and, and then, yeah, that, after that first victory I thought that was when I thought, you know, I could, I could go, I could go high in this game. I could, I could, I could win everything.
1: And so, having won that first tournament, because some players you see now they win a tournament and they kind of celebrate for six months. But you, hmm. I get the impression you just like, okay, I've won that one, on to the next one.
0: Yeah, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's the biggest weakness, in, 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 well, it's probably in in a lot of sportsmen in individual sports. I mean, you see it in golfers as well. I mean. Um, I mean, look, look at Danny Willett, since he won the Masters, he's won nothing. Um, snooker players are really guilty of it, you know, players that win tournaments and, yeah, you never hear from them before. But, I mean, a lot of times I was winning on Sunday night, it was practicing on Monday morning, because I was just greedy, I just wanted to win everything. Um... I mean, obviously, people would tell by my reaction from me picking up trophies. I was a miserable fucker, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't, I was never satisfied. Mm. I always wanted more.
1: Yeah. So this is we're talking, talking late eighties here. Steve Davis is still world champion, still world number one. What was your relationship like with him? Did he sort of regard you as like this, this new kid I'd, on the block and...
0: I, had, I had no social contact with Steve okay. at all. Um, I mean, we did two tours of Scotland mm. and England. Um, I didn't mix with him uh, Steve didn't speak to anyone basically. Um, Certainly, in a, in a tournament situation, I mean, you go, you walk, you got to a tournament, and you, you know, from the crucible practice room, they're walking through that corridor back to where the dressing, you know, you'd walk past them, and you'd, you'd be lucky if you got a nod. Mm. Um, and that, that's, I mean, that comes with that. I mean, it was one of the things I took from it is you have to, in an individual sport especially, you have to keep yourself apart from the masses. Um, and which, I, which I, I, what I did do partly from Ian's influence and part, and, and partly from myself. Mm. Um, I didn't. I didn't really have friends on the circuit. Um, so yeah, that was that was probably part of my downfall in the end, getting too friendly with people.
1: <laughs> was there a point around this period where you where you thought, okay, I'm going to become number one? Because Steve had been there so long, and when like Phil Taylor in darts, for example, you just think they never the reign will never end. It's just going to go on mm-hmm. and on. But did you think, well, there's no reason why I shouldn't? I'm winning tournaments. I can, I can overtake.
0: Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. I mean, as soon as, soon as I won, um, I won. You know, won the the Rothmans. That then I won the same year when the British Open. Yeah. Um, so as soon as you win sort of more and one to you yeah, you start to think and, and obviously Ian, Ian is is, is, is uh, I'm a fan and but you know what I mean you've met Ian, you know what it's like. Yeah. He's, he's pumping into you constantly. You know, you, you, and, and I think when I mean he's obviously been one of the, the biggest influences on, on my on my career and, and my life. Um, and he sort of put in the work ethic that, that probably wasn't there mm. in the beginning. Um, before he, before he, he sort of took me over, he, he came through to the club where I was playing and sort of seen I was basically just mucking about with my mates on the table, mm. not doing anything serious. And it was him that sort of started this sort of six seven hours a day, seven days a week. Mm. And you know, virtually all on my own. Mm. But I started getting results, mm. and then that made me, you know. Hungry to do it, do it more, and, mm. and, and uh, it wasn't difficult for me to take that over. Mm.
1: And then you won '89, you won the Masters, you won the UK. So suddenly you become
0: a big name, hmm. you're like,
1: and you're still only young. You are still only mm. 2021. 20, what was that like? Suddenly adjusting to the, the sort of fame element?
0: Um, again, um, having living in Scotland was a good thing because mm. obviously Scotland had no history of successful snooker players. Sure. I mean, within Scotland, yeah, but not not winning anything outside Scotland. Um, so living in Scotland kept me apart from anything like that. I mean, if you, you, know, you don't know what to like if you in London or whatever. You don't, you don't know. Um, obviously, good management um, and, and and family to sort of keep your feet in the ground. Um, and also, I, I, I had no interest in partying or, or doing any stuff. I just wanted to win snooker tournaments. It was, you know, I mean, I'd like, I'd, you know, I had a girlfriend, so I had I had what I wanted away from the table, and and I just played snooker. That was all I wanted to do
1: there was a lot of that you would become the youngest ever world champion and you did in, in 1990 mm. what are your sort of memories of that because even a couple of years before that there'd been certain expectation that you were going to win it but there's been what? expectation a lot of players too. I know
0: it. I know well I remember saying in an interview I think it was a daily record and Scott when a term pro at 16 and I said I'm going to be world champion at 21 right. and like everyone sort of said I mean you say that you, say, you don't really believe it but that was like that's what you put you, you, you put it down there and, um, and yeah to actually um, actually do it because obviously beating Parrot in the semis I have become world number one as well um, and then final, I just never had any thoughts of losing whatsoever. I was so relaxed, so confident. Um, you know, I was at the top of my, you know, as, as good as you could feel mentally and relaxed as, as you could possibly feel. You know, I just, I just felt invincible. Mm. And that sparked
1: the the, the the great rivalry with Jimmy White, of course, mm. that, that ran through most of the nineties. Um, I mean, what was that like? Because obviously Jimmy is still to this day so popular, but you don't care about that, do you? You're just there to win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy. When I first started playing, I mean, Jimmy was the first professional I've ever seen in an exhibition. Um, my dad took me to see him, and 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 I loved the way he played. I loved his cue action. I loved his, his um, obviously the shots he would play and, and stuff. But and and the fact I think the first time I played him was in the, the Scott was it the Lang Supreme or something. When the, the winner of the Scottish Professional would be into this this tournament, and anyway, I got drawn against Jimmy, and I spent the whole time in my chair just watching him in awe. Mm. Um, but sort of like you know partly, partly from me, mostly from myself, kick up the backside. You can't. You've got no future if, if this is all you're going to do. Sit and admire these people. Um, but, I, but when I became more serious, two or three years in my professional career, I realised that you know Jimmy was, although he was good to watch, he wasn't winning. He wasn't a winner. Mm. Um, Steve Davis was the man that I wanted to. Um, he was the one that I looked up to he was the one he was the person I wanted to be mm. uh, not actual but what he had that's what I wanted mm.
1: we'll come back to the Jimmy White finals in a minute but of course even you didn't defend the world title the first time mm. the the Cruz Crucible curse
0: what was that like because you were winning everything at that point and suddenly yeah, you're no longer world champion that season I think I'd won five or six events mm. um and came to the Crucible not feeling tired or anything I mean that's uh, most of the time I, I do think nowadays they do play a lot a lot of travelling so it, you can justify it a bit, but a lot of times the tiredness I think is complete bollocks but um, yeah I, I, I thoroughly, completely expected to win it, mm. uh, lost to Steve James um, the second session was at the last session was at night I think I finished about half ten, John Carroll drove me home I said I want to go home I never said one word to him the whole way up <laughs> from Sheffield to my flat. In so currency, not one word. That's yeah. not even exaggeration. Oh, you've seen my press conferences. Yeah, I've that been was, at uh, a few. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, not one word. And, yeah. uh, and I basically sat in my flat for. I didn't watch any snooker. Sat in my flat for three or four days on my own. Sulked. Mm. Um, I was devastated. I mean, it's like winning five or six events didn't mean anything.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, a year later, of course, one of the one of the great finals in '92, where you're behind 48 to Jimmy White. Mm. You wouldn't have given it up then, but he was playing well, wasn't he? I mean, what did you? What, what were your thoughts at that point?
0: Um, yeah, I was. Uh, it's hard to hard to remember what exactly what what you know your, your thoughts and You've got to put him under pressure. Going, uh, I guess is, is the key. I guess you just like think. I don't know. You get something something switches on, say that you don't plan to, and it just think mm. like, you know I've got to start doing something, mm. um, and obviously. I managed to win the last three or four frames of the afternoon session and culminating one of my best shots in my career, a brown off a spot, um, to win to be four or six frame difference. But the thing I knew with Jimmy in finals is I could tell when he was under pressure. Um, and I, and I, I think when you're in your seat, you just think, oh, can I, if I can just spring... Long matches are all about momentum. So that's the crucible, that's it's all about, momentum. And I knew if I could string two or three frames together, I could get him at it, mm. and you can tell. You know, he starts doing this, and he's rubbing his feet, towels in the mm. face, and he's, he starts hitting the ball harder. And, and I could just tell it. And then and then the night session, although it was four frames behind, I I knew I was going to win. I knew I was going to win. Mm. I I gonna win.
1: Mm. And then the, the following year, it's the final. People don't really talk about it because it wasn't close. It wasn't. There was no comebacks or anything. You win with a session to spare, and I think you've said that that might be the best you've mm.
0: ever played. Yeah, that that does. said definitely my favourite world title. I mean, you take your first and your seventh away, which is always special for for obvious reasons. But in terms of performance, yeah, the, the whole tournament I was under no danger the whole tournament. Mm. Um, and, and you know, I, I think the final against Jimmy, I started off, I knocked a long one in at 135, and, and and from then on, I just yeah, I, I, I just I just destroyed him. Yes, you know? so, I mean that, that gives me the, the most pleasure. Mm. I used to love winning matches a Session early,
1: mm.
0: it's a lovely feeling mm.
1: but then of course 94 it's the opposite it was suddenly the decider and it looks like he's going to win and mm. famously breaks down And I mean I think you've said that you were sort of sat in your chair and a small part of you thought well okay good on you Jimmy you're going to do yeah, it yeah yeah well, a
0: very small part but, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, I, so it wasn't really like good, good on you Jimmy sort of thing but I just you know like Obviously, I I I didn't have the entourage that Jimmy had in those days. I had had maybe a handful of people with me, and and a couple were in in the balcony. I sort of looked and sort of had, like... OK, this looks like it's it's, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And then... Yeah, I mean, if he'd won it, I'd have been happy for him and that because obviously the support he's got and, and within the game he's, he's an iconic figure. Um, but I wouldn't have been happy of losing. No, 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 no chance. Mm.
1: And was your game sort of? Do you think your game was improving through the '90s? Because obviously there was, there was new players coming in. I mean, O'Sullivan, Higgins, by then, had turned pro. Did you did you feel you had to keep improving? Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's it's hard to judge if you're really improving because it's, it's, it, I always think. Um, you think back, you did things differently. Cause I remember when I first joined with, with Terry coaching, and you, I used to think, "Why?" Wow, and you know, would come in and moan about missing a shots. So I never used to miss him I say, "Well, look watch back. Yeah, of course you did." <laughs> I think, I think what you do, in, in, when you play, you you you, you, you tolerate the misses mm. when you because you know you're going to come back and, and, and you're going to do it the next time. But as you get older, you get more scars, and it gets harder. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I th- I think I think my game improved. Um, my safety was obviously never my strong point. Um, I, I, I still think of the early part of your career, when you when you've got no fear and you just literally you know don't think about what happens when when, when you miss a long shot, that's mm. that's your best your best time. Throughout your career, when you the, it starts to get a bit longer then you start to think about well, if I miss that, where's the cue ball going? What's... And that's mm. that's that's the worst thing that can happen.
1: Mm. I'm aware we're glossing over lots of UK and Masters titles and mm. whatever, but we haven't got long. But I wanted to bring up the the UK final against Ken mm. and Doherty because. Seven centuries in a match. I mean, that would be incredible now, but back yeah. then that was just that was yeah. really incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah, seven, seven, seven centuries and, and, and only winning 10, ten seven, mm-hmm. um, which, which was so so which, which sort of shows you the priority I put on frame, frames, frames. <laughs> you know, the concentration I put into scrappy frames is, mm-hmm. was probably nothing like what as soon as I got into balls, mm-hmm. um, I get probably I get one of one of my weaknesses throughout my career. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that, I look back on that as what is one, of my, one of my best performances, there's no doubt about it. Um, take away that I lost seven frames in the final. You know, If you make seven centuries, people would normally think, oh, what, did you win 9-1, nine, 9-2? Nine, yeah. No, in 10 they <laughs> think, well, Ken must have played amazing. I said, well, well, obviously he did play well, but I just, yeah, it's... It's just a, again one of the weaknesses that I, I couldn't put the same focus and, and concentration on when games and scrapping.
1: But is it more satisfying winning when you've had like a run of centuries, or is it just about winning? Is it just you have no, to? Win?
0: No, I got great satisfaction mm. from that final, mm. great satisfaction because I, I, I love, I just loved winning frames with one visit. Yeah. That's that's the way I think snooker should be played, and, and um, you know, to, 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 to every time you get to the table, have that feeling that you're going to clear up is. is, is uh, is, is, it was an amazing feel mm.
1: we carried on winning the world championship but then 97 um, it's a, a new feeling because you, you lose a world final you lose a final uh, to Ken uh, what was that like
0: uh, horrendous mm. horrendous Um yeah, you know, I, I felt like that was that was my living room, <laughs> the crucible. I felt like that's you know no one else should be allowed in there. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, you know the, my pipe and slippers were underneath the table sort of thing. So so yeah, to lose losing that um, in there was, was was hit me harder than, than than anything. Not as hard as the one against Hebden, because that, that I still get shivers down my spine about that one. But um, mm-hmm. but yes. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I walked into that arena, especially the single table, I thought that I belonged there. I thought that was my domain.
1: Mm. And of course, it doesn't take long for people to start looking for signs. Okay, is this the start of a decline? And the mm. following year, the Crucible, Jimmy White's actually beat you in the first round. And then at the end of that year, the UK Championship, you lost to Marcus Campbell five nine nil. What do you think the reason for that was, and what
0: did you have to do to put it right? Um, it's hard to. Um, I, you know, the sort of winning, winning less and less. I think um, I think there's many contributing factors. I think life away from the table contributes to it. Um, although you, although you say it it has to. Um, you maybe don't. Your practice is not as intense as it used to be. Um, as I say, the longer you're in a career, the more scars you get. Um, you know, you get punished a few times. All of a sudden, there's a little bit of apprehension there. Um, many reasons. Not. At all because I thought the players were getting better. That mm. and that was that was n- none at all. But um, I think just within yourself, it's um, you, 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 you start to stop tolerating misses. Mm. You start you, you're not as good as being able to just put them to the back of your mind and, and you, you, you sort of dwell on them a bit, and it carries on to the next shot and the next shot. So all these things I think are the, are the contributing factors.
1: But the Marcus Campbell match. I mean, mm. say he say he won nine eight. You could say okay, it's just one of those things. But nine nil. You must have
0: thought, well, what's happening? It was one of them when it when it got to four. I, I thought, I, I, this is this could be one It was just one of them, and my head was just gone. Mm. Um, everything was concerned. I mean, he played good, but nothing, nothing that I couldn't come back from. Um, yeah, it's just one of them when I was in a, a really, a really not in my life, but just on the t- on the table that 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 day and that thing. It was just a bad, mm. bad, bad. Place um, and, and every player that played knows knows how it feels. You know, you just get there and you just think this is this is just horrible. I don't want to be here. Mm. Um, and the worst thing was it was a two-day match. So <laughs> it was eight nil after first, and had to wait till the following night yeah. to come back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as, as a sports obviously going and winning my seventh that season, I think two or three months before um, Frank Callan came back to work with me, mm. not to change anything technically, but. Um, that was part, small part of it. I think I think I went back to basics for a couple of months before and really put the hours in on my mm-hmm. own. Really pounded it, um, and I think that that was that was the reason I was able to come back and win the winner because I had a pretty t- tough draw. I, think I had Hunter in the first round. Yeah. Um uh, I don't think I had a pretty tough draw. I think you, I had,
1: you had Hunter, Watson, Matthew Stevens, Ronnie, Mark yeah, Williams. Yeah. So
0: so, so yeah, it's a, I mean it's a tough draw. So mm-hmm. it's you know it's um. Yeah, I think I just basically went back to basics.
1: Mm. And I mean, it's, it's probably an obvious answer in a way, but how satisfying was it to get that seven? Because obviously, Steve and Ray Reardon have been on six in the
0: modern era. You, you've broken yeah, the record. It massive. It was massive. Yeah, it's massive. I mean, you know, obviously, when you start to win two, three, four, that's that's what's in the distance. Mm. It's, it's beating the record. Mm. So to achieve it, yeah, it's um, it, it's it's amazing, and um, it's it's what I. Uh, it sort of like it, it defined my career in a way. It hurt me because I, because I think, um, I think even in my press conference after said, if I never win another yeah. match, I'm, I'm I'm happy. But and, and that's that's immediately taken away any intensity you've got mm. for next season because mm. you think, well, I don't need to now, don't mm. need to do anything now because I've done it. So in a way, it, in a way, it hurt my career, mm. but. I'd say obviously, I wouldn't change it for anything.
1: What about your sort of relationship to losing? You've already mentioned uh, you know, you didn't speak to John Carroll and the rest of it, and I've been at a few press conferences where you've literally said nothing at mm. all. I mean, how long does it take to get over a defeat? I suppose it depends what sort of defeat it is.
0: Yeah, and, and, and in the end, in the last three or four years, that you sort of get used to it, mm. which, um, which, is, which is a horrible feeling as well. Um, you, know, you get used to winning, you get used to losing. Um, yeah, and, and, and you sort of like. You know, you go to tournaments, not you know, trying not to lose rather than trying to win, you know, or, or expecting to win like I used to, and and then when you lose, it's like, oh well, well, I half expected that to happen anyway. Mm. So you are sort of like, okay, fair enough, mm. and that's that's a, and again, that's a bad place to be as a sportsman. Mm. Did you get a sense? Of,
1: so we're talking around the time of the millennium. So you've won the seventh. Ronnie, John, Mark, in particular, are, are winning mm. tournaments now. They're obviously a little bit younger than you. Did you get the sense that, hang on, it's a little bit like Steve Davis and me, suddenly these guys are coming up and I've got to sort of be careful they don't replace me?
0: Um, no, not really. Not really. I always, I never really felt um, in myself anything older, older mm. than them or more. I always felt um, on, on a level um, sort of playing field. Mm. Um, you know, when I look at Steve... Myself, you know, I, I think of Steve as much older. Sure, but I don't think of myself as that when it comes to to, to the Higginses and the Sullivans and that and Williams. And that. Um, um as I said earlier, I think. One of one of them. One of my downfalls was, was getting familiar with players. Mm. Um, I I honestly believe that because I always kept myself to myself and 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 I mean you see it with the Sullivan. You know he doesn't mix mm. hardly any. And, and so I why did
1: why did it change? them why did he suddenly become friendly?
0: I don't know. I don't know where 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 what happened. I mean Ian obviously signed Williams yeah. and I got on well with him. Mm. You know it's the same same of humour and everything and, and sort of like then start to be more more tournaments abroad. Mm. So constantly you're sharing airplanes with people, you're sharing hotels with people. Sure. Um, and yeah, it, just, it was a sort of gradual thing that sort of sneaked up, and then all of a sudden you like you get to a stage where you know you, before you're going out to play, you're sort of, you're, you're speaking to people before you go out to play. I mean, I mean, we said it on screen last night. I mean, you have seen Selby and, and um, Alan in the practice room having a, a chat. And I mean, I wouldn't have dreamed of doing that when I was dominating the game. It just would have been it was even a complete no-brainer to, to stay away from them. So. That's a, that's a that's a bad place to go down i think mm. as an individual sportsman mm. i
1: spoke to ken Doherty about the famous blackie mist um, for the 147 at the masters and he said he sort of he's found himself replaying it in his mind and sort of potting it and so sort of th- i mean even with your career and all the success mm. you've had are there the matches where you've thought if only i would have done that at that point it would have been different
0: oh god lo- loads yeah I mean I, I, I remember the defeats far more than, than the wins um, I think, the, I think the, the, the the feeling you get inside of, of defeat is far more intense than when you get winning far more intense um, and it stays with you I mean those big ones I mean I don't want to give them any credit but obviously the black against Mark Williams yeah. but I lost that match way before that black I mean I had a chance to win uh, whatever, whatever the winning score I had a chance to win 9-5 like, 9-6 nine, nine, when, I, when I played bad shots that would go back and play rather than the black I missed because mm. that's when you get to a black ball you can miss anything so mm. it doesn't, it's not really a thing oh, I wish I'd done that You know, it's such an intense pressure that you can miss anything mm. but yeah I lost that match way before the, the final frame mm.
1: You had a chance to win an 8th world title 2002 uh, against Peter Ebdon, mm. who you'd already beaten in a final mm. um, did you feel I, you know, over the two days, I'm going to win this. I mean, was there a bit of uh, overconfidence? Maybe?
0: Yeah, I, I, I obviously won that semi final against Ronnie while well, the publicity they yeah. went before before that, and, and basically, yeah, thought I've won it. That's yeah. so it. That was a, that was the final to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went in the final treating Peter with no respect whatsoever. Um, well, I wouldn't say no respect whatsoever, but just not, I didn't believe there was any chance that he could beat me over four sessions. I just didn't think it could happen. And so I went into the final with with. Um, a bad attitude, mm. and and when when you when you start with it, it's sometimes hard to get that back. It's sometimes hard to change change that. Um, so in a way, I done well to make it the final frame. Um, but but yeah, it was it was that was a, a bitter pill to swallow um, losing that final. You were
1: still at this point winning tournaments, but maybe not as regularly as as earlier. Mm. Did you
0: did you start to sense any decline in your game at all? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, um, I found I found myself not. I could turn it on the odd match, like um, I think I played the, the last tournament I won in Malta. Um, the first round I beat Robertson. i had four centuries. I beat him five 0 And then the next match I sort of struggled, so I wasn't able to string performances together as well as I used to. And I think some, part of that was due to not practicing as as as, as well as I used to. Not having the ability to do as much solo practice because I think through my career I was always sharpest when I put the hours in on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all right to have you know some match practice against people, but to like you know the solo was the stuff that, that, that really made me sharp because yeah. I used to you know, if you're playing on your own for like two or three weeks you can't wait to play someone. So as soon as someone you play in a match, someone leaves you a long red, you're just like you're like you're like you know it's yeah. like a coiled spring. You yeah. put the long one and you clear up. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, yeah, I think the ability to do that, the errors was, was, was hurting as well.
1: But you never had any thoughts of changing your game. you, you didn't want to become sort of. A safety player and stop sort of tying mm. people up, there's just never a question of that. No, no,
0: no. And, 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 and a lot of the matches I lost in my career, you have commentators and, 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 and <clears> other <throat> players and everybody say, You know, if you would just refuse that, you know, you just stop going for that, you know, you're going to win more. And I just it's not, it's not the way I play snooker. Mm. It's not the way, you know, if I go down, I'm going to go down and play my game.
1: Mm. Steve Davis, when he got over the fact that he was no longer the best, seemed to be at peace with it and would turn up to tournaments really to enjoy them obviously he still wanted to win but he enjoyed being the ambassador he enjoyed just playing mm. you, it was never about playing for you was it, it was about winning
0: no I, I found that very difficult he used to say says oh, I just treat it as a day out because mm. I said to him how can you do it how can you get, you know, get beat by these Muppets and, like, and, 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 and enjoy it mm. and says, it's, you know, at the end it was, it was the worst thing was getting beat by people I knew shouldn't even be on the same table as me mm. and it was just that was horrible he said no oh, it's a day out oh, that's but but in a way you got to admire someone that can just play for the love of the game. Mm. But but yeah, for me for me the enjoyment was winning and being the best. Um, when when you took that away, you took away a huge part of, of um, me as a snooker player.
1: So the decision to retire then was it an easy one in the end? Um,
0: it it wasn't. It wasn't. It was obviously when you when I look at it the way I was playing and not winning, then it was easy. Mm. Um, you know, even like in the last the last one, I mean I made a one four seven but I mean I mean without meaning it sound blah, I one for like one four sevens are like big bit were easy. You know, I mean one four sevens were difficult but they were there were like you know, they like bread and butter, A B C stuff. When I get around pink and black, it's fine, but the actual whole game of winning was 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 gone. I mean it's just uh it was it was a sort of, I mean in a way it was an easy way out to get away from the torture hmm. of, of, of not winning.
1: Have you regretted it, though? Did you regret it? Because obviously it's a big part of your life that suddenly changes.
0: Um, yeah, I think I think obviously the system of the game was a, was a part of it as well. All the PT, all the tournaments you had to play in the PTCs. I mean, I've, I literally detested going to that academy and, and playing in cubicles. You know, you play some young kid and, and the only people watching would be his mum and dad and a referee, and I hated that. I mean, when you've played at the Crucible, the old conference centre with 3,000 people. How can you play in that and be inspired? You just can't. So that was a that was a big part of of of, of me not enjoying the game. And then consequently a year later they changed the system where you can sort of pick and choose events and play them mm-hmm. and you know, and, and so maybe if that was in place I might have might have hung on for a wee while and, and, and seen what would happen. But um yeah I couldn't I couldn't face another season of that, mm-hmm. travelling down to that Sheffield. Um whatever it was, athletics place, <laughs> driving down, playing a best of seven, not looking forward to it, probably going to get beat and then driving back to Scotland again, I couldn't do another season of that.
1: But have you ever contemplated coming back, because in, most, in a lot of sports where people retire, they kind of they miss it and they mm, do come back.
0: Yeah. Oh no, I do miss it, mm. I mean I do miss it, I mean I mean now I, you know, I I, mean, when I, I had the, the, obviously the contract with China um, with the pool thing that I, that I sort of delved into um, 100% when I stopped playing, so for two, three years, I was virtually there once a month, mm. and um, and not hardly been in exhibitions either, not playing at all. But now it's you know sort of getting you know not enjoying that as much, mm. wanting you know missing snooker more. Mm. You know, I started going to the club and playing a uh, club near where I live now, and nothing serious, just going in and just getting a cue out. basically, it's all I know. Mm. It's all I'm good at. You <laughs> know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we do what we're good at, and that's mm. that Snicker's all I know. So. I want to. I want to start playing more exhibitions, and and I would be surprised if I didn't play some sort of event before before I die. You know what I mean? I think I'll definitely do something. But in terms of full time, no, there's no there's no chance. Mm. I, couldn't, I couldn't go back. But um, I certainly miss it, especially Sunday nights. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, you do a lot of commentary now and punditry, and you, so you have to watch a lot of the sort of modern players. What do you make of the, the sort of standard in the game now? Because a lot of people say, oh, it's going up all the time, but is that mm. is that really true?
0: I don't think it has. I don't think it has. What what I think there is, I think the standard's gone up lower down the rankings, um, and I think there's more strength and depth. I think there's there's very little to separate the sort of top, you know, top 16 now. You's, you could go to a tournament and, and more or less any of them win. I mean, Selby's staying number one because he's he's got to think he's got the best B and C game. Um, he's like, uh, how you Well done last week. <laughs> Um, yes, um, he's got the best BNC, so he can he can just keep winning even when he's not playing well. Um, but yeah, I don't see. I mean, Higgins won last week at three tons. I said, you see, I've done it in the UK. You know, I mean, no one's really doing anything that I, I didn't do. Sure. But there's more players capable of playing mm. a very high standard.
1: Mm. You set a lot of standards, a lot of records, and a couple of them have gone. Ronnie O'Sullivan overhauled uh, the century record, mm. and obviously now you're not playing. They're all kind of there mm. for grabs. What's, what, what do you feel about that I, I mean wh- how did you feel when he
0: broke your record was it um, yeah of he didn't like it because mm. it's your record yeah. you know you, you'd be lying if you said I'm not bothered mm. um, but it was inevitable he's still playing and I'm not so yeah. it was inevitable that century break and the Maximus was going to go because he's, he's like me just, he's, he just scores like ferociously when he, when he gets in um, I mean the, the World Championship one would obviously hurt the most um, I don't believe but um, Honestly, I don't believe anyone will do it now. Um, I don't think there's anyone coming through. I mean, Ronnie's on five. He's favourite if he wants to do it. But I don't believe there's anyone coming through that that can do it. I don't see it. I mean... I mean, you, you know the game better than me. I've never seen any young player come through when I've done commentary that I think, oh, might he's, he's going to do. He's going to dominate the game." Mm. Um, so, so yeah, Trump Trump's at an age where he should be. You know, if he wants, he should be dominating the game. But whether he's dedicated enough remains to be seen. So,
1: I was going to say, do you, are, are any of the top players, do you recognise your mindset in any of them?
0: Trump plays the same way I played, mm. but in it's terms not. of off, more off the table. I thought um, I used to think Robertson had a very good you know um, you know and, and it even he may even said in his thing that he prioritizes the big events um, which is something that I sort of done I, you know at the start of the season although I want to win everything at the start of the season I would always want to win the masters of UK and the world um, or at least one of them but those were the three and I think he's very similar in that respect um, I think Selby's is a winning machine he's, he is a winner but I think he's gone away from. I think, I think, not deliberately. He's gone. He's gone to his game that he doesn't need to play well to win. Yeah. He looks that. Low, looks to me, he's going to rely on the fact that he's so tough to beat. Whereas when 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 I was still playing, I remember playing in the world. I think he made three centuries in a row, and he was, a, he, he was he was scored so heavily. But now he seems to have fallen back in a way where, I, like, I don't know. Whether I don't think he's done it deliberately because he's, he seems to be suffering a bit, but. Um, he's still number one and he's
1: winning Yeah. when you were winning all these big tournaments you didn't spend much time sort of dwelling on it but now you've retired do you ever sort of want to even get out the tapes and you know look back at a world final or a Masters final or something
0: Um well have you no, ever watched No, anything? no, not really I've, I've, I've watched bits and pieces but no nothing nothing really I mean when, when Chris Henry was with me he used to insist to try and get me back you know watch your old tapes because it'll bring it back but all it did was instill in me how shit I was now. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it had the opposite effect. He yeah. says, No, that's not what it's meant to do. I mm-hmm. says, I know that, but I said, I'm not, that's, that's me. Mm-hmm. And I said, All it's saying to me is, Look at what you were now, look at what you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I've never really been one to, to sit and watch. So.
1: so, when you think of your career, which is the most successful of any snooker player in history, how satisfied are you? I mean, is that nagging feeling, maybe I should have won the 8th, maybe I should have done this, or are you actually happy that, you know, you set all these standards and, and records?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 obviously, if someone had said, you know, in, in the beginning when you turned pro at 16, this is what you achieved, you mm. would see, no, that's, that's just stupid stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, to to, to to have done that and, and, and be, like, in the conversation has been the best ever is, you know, That's what you want, but I mean, still, you know, when I watch when I watch people playing now, and and, and, you know, I I, I still think there's something, you know, something I haven't haven't achieved. There's a little bit of regret there, but but then you can, you just got to get over that.
1: Okay, well, we could talk forever, but you've got to you've got to get off. So, thank you, thank you very much for your company, Steve. You're welcome. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.